The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome in, everyone. This is Reverend Dr. Doug Kringle speaking with you for Engaging Truth. And today it's our great pleasure to have with us Pastor Travis Hartgen, a church planner here in Texas. And we're so glad to have you here. Travis, thanks for joining us. Uh, absolutely my pleasure. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Now, Travis, please just a little background on your own self. Uh, did you always come from Texas? Did you, did you come from <laughs> no. the traditional route? Uh, how how did this all happen? Tell us about you. Yeah, so um, the 30,000-foot view, um, I grew up in Rockford, Illinois. I uh, went to a, a traditional Lutheran church, uh, baptized in the first month, confirmed in the eighth grade. And uh, it wasn't until I was 16 years old when my mom and dad moved from Rockford, Illinois to San Diego, California, uh, that things started to change a little bit for me. Um, got connected to a great church in uh, Christ Lutheran Church in La Mesa, California. Um, Sherry Salanders was the DCE there. And it was about my junior year that I realized, wow, I could, I could do this. And I felt the, the call to be a change agent within the church and also a call to um, DCE ministry at the time. So I went on to Concordia in Seward, Nebraska, go Bulldogs, and uh, got my uh, degree in theology and my minor in youth ministry and got my first call as a DCE at Trinity Downtown Houston, Texas. And had the honor and the privilege to kind of, for the first time, create a youth ministry for them from nothing. Um, I also met my wife there. And let me tell you, women from Texas are, um, man, they are strong and they are amazing. And I am so blessed that I met a Texas woman and she was willing to hang out with a guy from Illinois. And so I was there for four years, uh, did youth ministry, junior high and senior high. Uh, got a call to Redeemer in Austin, Texas, uh, did senior high youth ministry there for eight years, loved it. Um, but about year six, uh, my third kid was born and um, realized that God was putting a shift in my heart and in my focus, um, had a meeting with a handful of really good, wise counsel. And uh, they threw out this idea, have you ever thought about being a church planter? And I immediately said no. And they said, why? I said, I'm not a pastor. I'm a DCE. I'm, I, I don't want to be a pastor. And they're like, why don't you want to be a pastor? And I, I quickly said, well, I, I honestly, I don't see a lot of pastors are amazing, faithful men, and their lives are way out of balance. And they struggle, you know, the PKs, the, you know, I just didn't want that. And uh, Paul Krentz, one of the guys here in the Texas district, he pulled me aside and he says, well, why don't you do it different? And he knew that was the button for me. And so that started in 2008, my journey towards church planting. And I uh, came up here to Frisco, Texas and worked with a church plant called Water's Edge, trained with them for 18 months, and then got launched out to do my first church plant called Tangible Grace in Allen. And now I'm working on my fourth church plant. So uh, it has been quite the journey for sure. Thank you so much for that background. And it's a beautiful faith-filled journey. I know many of the characters and personalities we meet in the Bible have a similar response to God's call, which is <laughs> yes. maybe somebody else 
thanks for <laughs> thanks for thinking about me, but uh, I think you have the wrong address. I mean, think about Moses and Isaiah and the list yes. goes on. So you're in good company there, Pastor Travis. Could you tell us a little about, you mentioned at the end of your introduction there, that there's an area you've been working in here in Texas. And what is that ministry environment like? Well, um, so I'll, I'll dive into a little bit of just church planting and, and, and kind of the shifts that have happened that we've noticed in the last few years. Um, the uh, best way to put it is the first church plant that we engaged in at Tangible Grace was kind of done in a more traditional church plant way where you, you find a single guy, um, he gathers together a handful of strangers, tries to create community amongst those strangers, set really good theology, help them discover their mission and their vision. But the expectation is the guy that starts the church is the guy that's going to be at that church for a prolonged period of time. And as we were kind of in the midst of that, um, I had a conversation with uh, Johannes, another Texas district guy, and uh, Johannes he kind Rainer of said, is who you're speaking yes, brilliant brilliant, mission-hearted man of God. And he kind of pulled me aside and he goes, you know, Travis, the gifts that it takes to start a church are very different than the gifts it takes to manage and create systems and structures within a church that's going to be there for generations to come. And uh, he, in his wisdom, he said, you're kind of the starter guy, but you're really not good at the management guy. And I said, you are exactly right. That is the bane of my existence is doing the same staff meeting every single week. And, and it just, you know, I'm, I'm not that guy. And uh, so um, he said, well, why don't we try to figure out if we can redo um, being inspired by Paul, where what we see with Paul is Paul would go into a community, would establish that kind of connections amongst the saints, set really good theology, help them discover their missions. But the expectation from the beginning was that Paul would move on to a new community eventually. And so Paul's vision from the very beginning was to raise up elders, raise up leaders, and then establish them to be the pastors within that congregation and move on to a new community. And from time to time, you would see the story of Paul bringing in someone from the outside, a Timothy pastor is what we call them. And uh, he would be placed in like the church in Ephesus and and they would he would take the, the leadership of the pastoral leadership of that community. And um, through conversations with my wife, we said, you know, well, let's let's figure this out, because if this is a nut that we can crack in the mission field, in the mission world, um, it could really radicalize and change church planting the way that it's been done. And so many of the struggles that we've seen with church planting where guys burn out, um, guys rust out and a community will grow to 120, have a massive conflict of some sort and then revert to 60 and barely survive. And so um, that's when I got connected with my current church partner, uh, Crown of Life in Colleyville. And we uh, kind of, they said, Travis, we'll, we'll support you for the next 10 years, as long as you're planting churches. And let's see if we can do three churches in the next 10 years. And at the time, we all kind of laughed at each other and said, there's no way that's going to happen. No way. But Johannes, in his wisdom, he goes, ah, I think you can probably do more. And we're like, Johannes, <laughs> You don't know what you're talking about. Well, fast forward, um, we launched um, under this new paradigm. We launched a church in uh, Argyle, Texas called The Grove. And our first worship Sunday was January of 2020. Now, I don't know if there's a book written yet, but I, I promise you if there is, the first chapter would be don't plant a church during a pandemic. Um, and unfortunately, that's exactly what we were faced with. But by the grace of God and seeing him do only what he can do, 
that church not only um, developed roots, it continued to grow and uh, is currently uh, has 150 in worship. Um, is looking at purchasing land and building a building and really establishing itself in that Argyle community. So I, where I thought originally I'd be there for five years, um, within the first year and a half, uh, the leadership team came to me and said, Travis, I think we're ready for a system pastor, a systematic pastor. Someone can come in and really organize this thing for the next uh, leg of the journey, the next season. And so we, we sent out a call and in two years from launch, we received uh, Pastor Ben Sheck to be the Timothy pastor there. Um, I partnered with him for six months, and then they sent me to do the next church plant, and that's where I'm currently at. Um, in Salina, Texas, we have a table church, uh, a church plant up there called the Table Church. Um, the Timothy pastor is established, and uh, I'll be partnering with them for the next six to eight months. And uh, worship on Sunday nights, moving to Sunday mornings, and then um, we're starting the groundwork on another one over in the Alliance uh, North Fort Worth area. So I would say the context is um, DFW is a very fast growing community. They're saying about a million people over the next eight years are going to be moving into the community. And what we're realizing is a lot of these small towns are becoming big suburbs and they don't have the um, infrastructure nor the church resources to really care for and feed those people. And so we uh, spent a lot of time identifying those high growth areas um, and then um, moving some families into those areas, gathering them together, and then identifying the, the unique missional needs of that community, and then figuring out creative ways to connect those needs to the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people would come to know the good news be set free from their sins, from their brokenness, and ultimately find a place in eternity with their loving Savior, Jesus Christ. So give us an idea what the, a unique missional need might be in your ministry environment. Absolutely. So um, because so many people are transporting into DFW, they don't have family structures and family systems to support them. And so um, back in the, you know, even 20, 40 years ago, a lot of times young families would be created. They'd have mom and dad nearby, aunts and uncles. And there was a system of support for them um, that was able to journey with them for the long time. It wasn't a relationship based on work or vocation. It wasn't even a relationship based on neighborhood. It was something beyond that. And a lot of the families that are moving in, they have mom and dad, but mom and dad still live in California or mom and dad still live in Iowa. And so they, in a lot of ways, are um, surviving, raising a family, starting their careers, um, making ends meet, but they are missing out on um, a, a deep community that allows them to uh, connect, to flourish, to learn from people passively as they're trying to raise kids and navigate the hard challenges of, you know, a strong-willed child and how do you discipline a strong-willed child and yet not crush that child. And, and um, so we, we, we try to create an environment for them where they're no, no longer on an island trying to figure it out themselves, but they can come in, they can hear about grace, goodness, forgiveness, and just passively experience some of those healthier things in life so they can begin to shift their life into a more balanced um, existence. So that's one of the unique missionaries that we've really contacted. So let's speak about the table. Describe the space you're in. Are you in a track mall? Are you at a park? Are you in a tent? Are you at a 
Are you in a cabin? <laughs> what What's the space looking like? Is there worship that goes on? Do we worship? Is there any kind of regular schedule that goes? Is it haphazard or spontaneous? Uh, is there uh, meetings in homes? Are small groups involved? Uh, what are some of these uh, very tangible manifestations of ministry that you saw at the table? And it, feel free to expand, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, each church plan is unique, and each church plan is a little bit different. Um, but um, the system that we go through is, first, we start off with worshiping in homes and doing a lot of meals together. Um it is a struggle for people in our culture to make connections um, and to learn how to have those connections. And so we just invest a lot of time, probably 12 to 18 months of people just getting together. We do a little worship. We do a little Bible study, resetting the, the goalposts, you might say, from successes, you know, having a large Sunday morning gathering to successes, knowing our neighbors, learning to love them, care for them and connect with them. And so it's a lot of food and a lot of um just fellowship time. Uh, following that, we will uh, begin to invest in that relationship. So in Salina, Texas, um, there's a great little downtown. And just off the downtown square is a event space called 229. And uh, one day I was in a coffee shop and the Timothy pastor was there. And I said, you know what, let's go over and see if the owner's there and see if they would be willing to partner. We walk over, we knock on the door, the owner happens to be there. And we say, hey, we got this crazy idea. We're a church plant. We're looking for a space. Would you be willing to give us, you know, access to your space on Sunday nights? We would do all the cleanup. We do all the setup. You don't need to do anything. Would you just give us access to the space on Sunday nights? And immediately she was like, oh, absolutely. I just ended a partnership with a church plant. They've launched. They have their own facilities. Um, and, and so then the question is, well, how much are you going to charge us? And she goes, oh, you're a church. How about $100 an hour? And I'm like, yes, sign the whatever. Don't think about it. Let's make this happen. And so currently we worship every Sunday night in um, this event space uh, in Salina, Texas. And so the event space was the original hardware store in Salina, Texas. Um, that obviously has closed. It became a Christian bookstore for a while. And it is just this beautiful exposed brick, 100-year-old building and we just get in there, we set up tables, we set up a kid space, um, we, you know, the band sets up in about 10 minutes, and we worship for about an hour, hour and a half, and uh, then people hang out and talk, and uh, once a month we do food afterwards so people can continue those connections. And the goal is that we would, in January, move to Sunday mornings to be able to hit that kind of golden hour for families to connect with. Um, and that's typically what will happen because we are borrowing a lot of resources from well-established churches and we don't want them to have to choose between Sunday morning at their, their current church and a church plant before God has really made that happen. And so that's why we do Sunday evenings more often than not. Let me go back in the process a little earlier too. Thank you for that description, yeah. but somebody has to meet somebody at some time. How do they, how do they have first contact? How do these people uh, come to know you exist? That there's any resource at all? Uh, that they're maybe they're new to the community as described before. Uh, quite a few people don't even know the neighbor living right next door to them. So where does this connection point happen, or is it just variable? Um, I think the connection point happens in um, a shift of the people and uh, the philosophy because you don't have a building. 
Um, you can't do meetings during the week. You can't do Bible studies at the building during the week. You can't do anything outreach-wise from the building. And so everything is shifted. All the focus is shifted to how do we partner with things that are already established to begin to create a presence there. So for instance, um, the Table Church up in Salina. Um, Salina does in the fall amazing events. They do like some um, October fest in October. And um, part of it is they have a kid zone. And so we partner with the town of Salina. We set up a table or two and we will have the, you know, the table church and we'll have activities for the kids and opportunities to connect with the parents and just let them know, hey, we're here. Here's some information. If you need anything, let us know. If you want a prayer, we, we'd love to pray for you. Um, but if you ever are looking for a place to call home spiritually, come check us out. And we'd love to do that. Um, one of the th- other things that we do is... Uh, they do a month of Christmas in Salina. And so this year um, we're working with the city to do uh, an evening of Christmas carols and the first Christmas story. So what we'll do is we'll set up the band in the town square, um, regardless of temperature, hopefully it'll be a nice day in in Dallas. And uh, we'll do, you know, all of the, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, and invite the community to sing. And then we'll go into some more of the traditional church hymns of the, uh, you know, the Christmas season. And throughout that, we'll just read the story, the account from Luke. And so it's a very passive touch, um, but it's hopefully our goal is that it would become a part of that community where every year it becomes a family tradition for people who maybe don't have a church home, but they get to hear about a God who loves them enough to become flesh incarnate and does the unimaginable to die for them so that they would have new life. Um, And so those are the kind of the, some of the passive serving things that we do. Um, The other thing that we do intentionally is very few churchy things. And what I mean by that is we focus heavily on discipleship, realizing that discipleship happens a lot in smaller communities, three, fours, not tens and fifteens. And then we release people to um, really hang out at their community pools um, get to know their neighbors. We really push hard in the fall and the spring. Um, get away from your backyard. Sit in the front yard. Um, you know, hang out in the front yard. If it's cool, get a fire pit, put it in the driveway. And just as people are passing by, begin to know them and invite them to hang out, have a drink, and build that community in the neighborhoods. Because I, I don't know where many people um, listening to this program, in, in Texas, we have a really bad habit of every backyard has a six or eight foot fence. And most people come home, they pull into their driveway, and they live in their backyard not to ever see their neighbors. And we're trying to shatter that paradigm and put people back in the front yard to just be available that when the spirit moves in the neighbors, there's someone that they might connect with um, and hear some good news from. So I want to keep our reverse uh, direction here. We've talked about how (laughs) you have physical space and how people connect. But it occurs to me there must be a tremendous amount of planning involved before you show up in the community. How do you do? Do you do a demographic study? How do Mm -hmm. you know that this is the spot God's leading for the next church plant? How is this determined and how much ramp up time is there for a new church start? 
We have about five minutes left. So uh, if you could explain the whole world to me in five minutes, it doesn't right. it seems completely reasonable, right? Yes, right yes. Uh, so um, we, we, we go through four phases. The first phase is partnerships. And so before we really identify a location, what we look for are partner churches. Um, I'm convinced that uh, the days of a single church planting a church plant, um, there's a few churches that can do that, but very few. And we have a lot of medium and small size congregations that if they can partner together, um, can make a real impact to the kingdom through church planning. And so my job is to go around, begin to get to know the pastors, take a lot of pastors out to lunches, get to know them, earn their trust, and then begin to paint the picture of what would it look like for these different congregations to partner together to do a really big impact mission-wise. And it's not my church plan. It ultimately would be their church plan. Um, and, uh, you know, and I talk a lot about new wine, new wineskin. We're not going to replicate what's already being done. Um, we're going to do something different to connect with people who would never connect possibly with what currently is happening. So that's phase one. Phase two then is I'll go into those congregations. Hopefully they invite me and um, preach um, if I'm so lucky, um, do Bible studies to kind of cast the vision. And what I found is more often than not, the spirit is the one that's already doing the work. I have yet to convince anyone to join me in a church plant. Typically, the conversation goes something like this. Travis, you preached last month and uh, my wife and I haven't stopped talking about it. We hate you. We love where we're at. We love the music here. We love the pastor here, but we can't stop thinking about this church plant. And so that's where those families will come from. And then we go into phase three, which is training. And that's where we go through relearning mission, relearning community, relearning discipleship. And then phase four, the last phase is, is the launch. And the first three phases normally take about two years to 18 months. And then the final phase, um, Normally takes about six to eight months. Um, when we say helpful. that's it, that phasing system is uh, sounds very systematic, but I can tell there's a lot of art to it where you have to interpret the situation. We are at our time. We would love, though, before we leave, to have a prayer from you, Pastor Travis. I know you're working hard for new church starts, but the need is so great. If you would pray for the work of the Holy Spirit to continue to be poured out powerfully. That would be wonderful. I'd be honored. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you as humble servants, realizing that you are the one that uh, brings new life. You're the one that, um, Lord, changes uh, the lost into the found. Lord, you are, by the work of your spirit, the one that breathes faith into dead, uh, dry bones. And so, Lord, we pray that you would move boldly. Luke challenges us in uh, Luke 10, too, to pray for the harvest because it is so plentiful that we would be people who pray for the workers to be sent into the harvest. Lord, I pray wherever these uh, individuals are that are listening to this, that you would stir them to, Lord, if they're being called to be part of a church plant, that you would just be relentless with them and put that passion within their heart. And Lord, if it's not to be on the front lines, Lord, that they would be um, supported supportive, and they would figure out clever and creative ways to champion and to continue to pray for those who are in that church planting world. Lord, you are an amazing God. You are a good God. And you call us to these amazing adventures where lives are changed, our lives and the lives of the people around us. And for that, we say thank you. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness. And Lord, just be a blessing through this mission and ministry. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. If With 30 seconds, could you give us a contact? Somebody's going to listen to this interview and be moved and <laughs> want to talk to Pastor Travis. How do we do that? Um, easiest way is uh, 
uh, let's go Travis at groundbreakerslife.com. Travis at groundbreakerslife.com. Thank you, Pastor Travis, very much. I'm sure many people will respond and we'll make sure we apply that to the written document that goes with the interview here. Great to meet you personally. Great to meet you professionally. God's richest blessings on you as you work with the power of the Holy Spirit to bring the gospel to many. This is Dr. Reverend Dr. Doug Kringle with Engaging Truth. We thank you for giving us a listen. God's richest blessings be yours. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.